What About Us, a podcast. It's part of the Tennessee Holler Network. We discuss how policies affect rural Tennesseans. Today we are discussing voter suppression and my guest is Sybil Miller Watkins. Hi, Sybil. Hi. Thanks for joining me again. We did a podcast. Oh, I didn't look and see when it was, but well, before the election. So it's been several months, April, May, and we talked about uh, rural uh, public schools and the absence of a good COVID plan for reopening. Did we ever get one? Of course not. Um, our uh, teachers and administrators are still trying to um, figure out what they have to do. A lot of the districts are moving back and forth between hybrid and remote based on cases. So when you think about that, it's not only challenging for our students and their parents and families, but it's also challenging for our teachers because going from one mode of learn of teaching to another can be challenging. So without that comprehensive plan, we'll continue to do just that. Uh, yeah, at that time you were also running for state Senate. Um, and it hurts me to say that you were not victorious. No, I was not, but we got our message out and we um, galvanized a, a lot of people and the rural areas were excited. So it was a great place to be. Well, I know that you are still in the game. Yes. Well, we seem to still be recovering from the 2020 election. In fact, um, some believe it or not, um, believe that it's not going to be over until President Trump, and this is the finger quotes, wins which seems more and more unlikely each day, but of course uh, contributes to everyone's stress. Um, and I've been saying that this is the big example of election fraud and our voter suppression in our history. With the testimony of multiple experts that our elections were conducted uh, legitimately and the unsubstantiated, um, unsubstantiated claims of Trump supporters that it was not, uh, that it was rigged, um, could jeopardize future voting and therefore our democracy. Although, you know, we have short memories and I thought there was a lot more concern in 2016 about Russian interference. In fact, there was a two-year investigation that was kind of inconclusive. It wasn't a complete exoneration, but, um, but we turned around and had good turnout in 28 and then 2020, so, so go figure. So, so what comments do you have about our current situation? Well, what I know is that <clears throat> many of us have questions about how our elections are handled. And, but when we have experts who come out to say that our elections were free, fair, and adequately protected, then that should just be the end of it. Um, simply put, uh, the notion of winning by any means necessary came to mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> and to be that particular group of people who we know are proponents for states' rights, mm-hmm. and then to have uh, 17 uh, attorneys general sign on, mm-hmm. including the one in Tennessee, yeah, he likes to sign on things. Yes, 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 most definitely. Um, to sign on, you know, I just think that's very questionable. Um, when you when you even think about negating or overturning or throwing out the votes of a whole group of people. And then I'll end on this. My son, who is in college, made a very good point. He said, Mom, so if they're going to throw away those votes, then won't it affect down-ballot votes? Well, he didn't say down-ballot. He said all the other representatives, school board people, and all that. So our children are watching. And I think that we should really, as adults in the room, um, make sure that our children know that none of this is okay. Well, no, that's... That's, that's encouraging because uh, I spoke with uh, a professor of political science yes, yesterday and I said, what, what do we say to the people that believe this was you know, rigged? You know, President Trump said it was uh, uh, rigged in 
2016 in Chile won. But anyway, so what can you say to these um, believers? And uh, my my thought, oh, this is other than things that immediately come to mind, something gentle and kind. <laughs> no. I said, well, tell me why you think that. And she thought that was, even that was too aggressive. Wow. Tell me why you think that. She's, I said, all right, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She said, tell me more. Tell, tell me more. Um, because the person that is, is believing the situation, despite the experts, and not even, you know, not even all experts, it's the people in the field yeah. that have nothing to lose or gain, probably more to lose as far as threats and things that are coming up. Just, just regular people, your neighbor, your person down the street that you see every year at the election commission or voting or whatever. Yeah. But, um, um, but that they, that people that, that believe the misinformation may have underlying fears about Democrats, you know, certainly socialism, taxes, all this fed by misinformation. And there was, um, um, I think it's Lieutenant Governor of Georgia that was on PBS News last night. Um, and his advice was to just continue to talk with people so that they could gradually realize um, that things weren't true, that they were being misled. Yeah. Although interestingly enough, he was still thinking that President Trump and then the two Republican Senate candidates sh should be reelected in, in, in Georgia, which mm. I, I don't know. Um, Judy, Judy Woodruff had a, a little problem with that, but but anyway, um, yeah. And I was reading in a book that uh, when Obama was elected, there there were there are known a couple of suicides. Did you hear that too? I had and never heard that, but that this was it. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know what could possibly, I don't know what could possibly, um, I, I, I have no words for that. <laughs> well, I, mean, I think a wise person sees in any situation why tomorrow wouldn't be worth waiting for. That's, that's anyway, um, I wanted, we wanted to talk about voter suppression. Um, yeah, good. A little bit voter fraud. You know, we both like history. Yes. to think about how far to go back. And I decided against going back as far as the Constitution, but I changed my mind. Article one. <laughs> we the people. Article one, section two. Yes. <laughs> I did the same thing. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, the, the main thing is the right to vote is not written in the original. Constitution. I just think that the founders knew they didn't want a king, mm -hmm. and but but they had trouble, obviously, identifying who could vote, who should vote, what a person was, and so there have been amendments to the Constitution, which yeah. I'm reminded um, are part of the Constitution. They are not afterthoughts, um, and it really didn't no, no, kind of take no, hold no, until no. after um, after the the Civil War. But there were a lot of things like. Um, you know, only people that owned like Mrs. originally didn't own land or weren't couldn't read or weren't educated and things. So it kind of struggled, you know, from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So after the Civil War, the Thirteenth Amendment uh, abolished slavery. Um, the Fifteenth prohibited the denial of vote by race. The Seventeenth, um, that citizens could elect the senators uh, directly, mm -hmm. be more of a uh, Kind of a republic than a democracy we voted representatives to represent us uh the 19th amendment let's see what was that let's see what was that one it allowed women to vote <laughs> if you missed that that was that would have been a bigger deal this past year if not for covid so i think we need to celebrate it next year too i agree and the 26th amendment lowered the voting age to 18. right then we also had some civil right civil rights acts to yeah. make voting. So now I I went even as far back as nineteen fifty seven. Yeah. But overall, 
57, 60, and 64 um, didn't change too much. Nope. Do you want to speak to any of those or 1965? Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I'm going to go back to the 14th Amendment. Oh, good. Which was, which was the citizenship clause um, that allowed uh, descendants of slaves to actually be citizens, which, like, which is like amazing, right? You had to put a citizenship clause in there. Uh, I think that's wild. Um, and of course, the, the 15th Amendment, which was 1870, uh, we still had those southern states that were um, the beginning of voter suppression. Let's just let's say let's kind of say that. That's where I'm going to start. Uh, where you had the poll taxes and literary te literacy tests, and also there were grandfather clauses for the white males that you just spoke of. They were able to be grandfathered in. Um, there were white primaries and a lot of violent um, intimidation. And I wanted to go back to even 1865 through 1867, where there was Reconstruction. Reconstruction was 12 years, uh, Blacks could run for office, the Reconstruction <clears throat> ended under uh, Rutherford B. Hayes. And I'm going to challenge- Bless his heart. Black, look, you said it. You know, in the South, we say, bless your heart. And we don't need it. <laughs> no, no, no. And I would encourage uh, your listeners to go back and read the history of what happened with Rutherford B. Hayes as to why Reconstruction ended. That was an interesting story, which I, quite honestly, I had never researched that until I was pre preparing for this podcast. So let me say thank you for allowing me to uh, enhance my historical knowledge. <laughs> well, the Reformation is just, uh, yeah, fascinating. We kind of, you know, it end with gone with the wind and then go, I don't know where we go from there, usually. Oh my gosh, gone with the wind. Yeah, then there's that. Uh, <laughs> um, but you, you were talking about the, um, we were going to talk about the, um, the, the 60s, the 50s, 57, 60, and 64, um, a very little change. And what I always find so fascinating is that there had to be these repeat, you know, there were always, the, the, you had to repeat the legislation. You had to repeat it in order for it to stick because someone was always bucking it and not wanting um, that access uh, to the voting booth. And why not? Because we all understand how powerful uh, the voting booth is and how much, how sought after uh, every vote is. So I, I just, uh, my mom was part of those uh, individuals in the 50, late 50s and early 60s who um, marched and, and I can speak about voting from the black perspective. There were also many other people, other, um, um, you know, in, uh, Native Americans, Asian and those other fellow citizens of our country who also suffered um, uh, through the right to vote or gaining the right to vote. So, but <clears throat> I know my mom used to always talk about uh, and where you come from and your history informs uh, a lot of your voting uh, preferences mm -hmm. at my house when you were 18 you were gonna register to vote and you vote uh, whatever else you were doing if you didn't eat you were gonna vote <laughs> you know so? and, and, and so well, tell us why your name isn't like Becky <laughs> my mother I love her Lois Bernice Miller um, was actually a um, a warrior for civil rights she uh, she actually helped uh, black folk uh, gain entry into one of the uh, factories that we had in my hometown by uh, skirting around uh, law enforcement and other people who would bar her from the door. She jumped a fence, gained access to the building, went in. They made her take an employability test. Mm -hmm. uh, she passed the test. They offered her a job. She says, no, I don't need a job, but I got four or five people out here who do. Um, so I was the baby. She was pregnant and I was the baby that she was carrying when she jumped the fence. So um, my name for about four hours was actually civil rights. 
my auntie told her, you can't name that child civil rights. So I got to keep the civil part <laughs> uh, in homage to all the hard work that she did uh, during the, the movement. My older, I have an older brother whose name is actually John Kennedy. Um, so my mom was very um, instrumental in our area and our county and surrounding counties um, in uh, making sure that civil rights flowed to the area yeah so that's my name civil <laughs> that's a wonderful i love that story so go ahead um but just realizing the 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 things that they had to go through the people who were lost um the um the wherewithal to actually stick with the movement, I think, um, speaks volumes. Uh, but what they were fighting for is equality, is equity. Um, understanding that once a, I can't say it enough, voting is one of the main ways we take part in our society um, because we get to decide who's going to represent us. So um, in 57, 60, and 64, very little change. 65. We did get the Voting Rights Act, which expanded so much of the ability of black folk to vote. It um, caused a lot of states to do the right thing um, when they were doing very um, interesting things uh, to make sure that certain populations couldn't vote. That's right. As part of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, there was a provision that counties um, and states that had so egregiously uh, uh, abused uh, voting rights, uh, especially for African Americans, is that they had to go, uh, before they made any changes in district near polling places, they had to go before the Department of Justice um, because of this history of laws that disenfranchised millions of African Americans not allowed to vote. Well, and um, after Obama was elected, uh, you know, people were upset about uh, having a black man uh, elected and things started to uh, happen. And there was a case in Shelby County, Alabama uh, versus uh, our, our attorney general, um, Eric Holder, um, that, that, that they um, re districted a an area and a gentleman uh, got beat and he took it to court uh because he that wasn't approved so that's so those supreme court things but anyway um the supreme court decided that these um these uh laws and situations that disenfranchised voters uh, everything was okay you know, that wasn't happening. There was no concern anymore. And so they gutted that 1965 Voting Rights uh, Act amendment. And then <laughs> we started seeing more um, suppression. So as far as federal election crimes, there's campaign finance, and that's when you take too much money or misuse it. Civil rights violations are really where the voter suppression comes in, a coercion and, and, and discouraging people from voting. And then voter fraud is... Um, like when dead people vote. So I'm just gonna mention um, um, voter fraud really quick because apparently uh, there's a lot of accusations that people got ballots, they voted twice, they dead people were voting. And when it comes to voter fraud, now I ask you, if I go and use my father-in-law's name who died several years ago and, and vote for him, um, is that going to make a difference in a national election or a state election? Why? No. No. <laughs> it would take a conspiracy of millions, yes. millions to make that difference. So when yes. people, dead people are voting and all the political cartoons about that, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. But you know, but you know where a lot of that comes from. It could be true. And once again, I've had this discussion. My children are, are I don't know, I have to thank my husband for their forethought and insight and all that type of stuff, I believe. But um, <clears throat> I, do you do you recall that there was a guy, a, a man who wanted to cast his vote? Um, and so he early voted, but then he passed away. 
Oh, you remember? And so I, I just remember this. It was a, it was an article somewhere. And so my son came to me and said, Mom, do you think that's where they're getting all of that from? You know, his ballot showed up. Uh-huh. But, you know, once the um, once you pass away and there's a, a death certificate, it is reported supposedly to your election commission and you're removed. Um, or they can go and search that out. You know, so he was like, I'm telling you, our children have very interesting questions for us and we should really listen to them. So he's like, Mama, I think that's where they're getting that from. No, it, like, it could be, but yeah, it could be. What, what I saw that most of the uh, people that vote illegally are felons. They're, you know, we're going to talk about that a little bit. They get out of prison and they think that they can vote and so they don't vote. I don't know how they get on the books when they're not supposed to. So, you know, so I don't know. But the point is, well, two, two points. One's going to lead in, into the other is one is that it's it, it may happen. It's isolated. I think it's been blown out of proportion. I agree. I mean, I don't know how they do it, but it's it's a lot of electronics and, you know, computer things. And I think they've tried to really tighten that up and make it the best possible um, um, system that they can and still be efficient. Um, but it, it, it wouldn't affect the, the overall. The overall. And quite honestly, we all know that the instances of voter fraud are so small that there are so many decimal points, right. so many zeros behind the decimal point that, you know, we can't even, it's not, it's negligible. But another part of that, you know, feeling is this, um, is um, the, the uh, protection of the, to protect the integrity of the voting box. And that is said in order to justify the voter ID. Yes. That, that the person showing up there to vote is who they say. Now, um, it, it has been abused in many places where it's gotta be a government picture ID. You gotta get it at uh, the DMV it's, that has limited uh, locations and hours, uh, some places it makes these other pieces of documentation. You can use passport. A lot of people don't have passports. Right. Um, a bill that comes to the house to prove your address. You know, if you live in a house with multiple people, not everybody gets an electric bill or whatever. There may be all in that house being able to uh, um, to vote. And so a lot of people say, I mean, you have a story about that, right? Yeah. Did you yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so, but going back up to the pre-clearance, what you were speaking about when it comes to um, uh, the Voting Rights Act, that was pre-clearance. That means that they had to pre-clear all of their changes to their voting laws. And in 2013, at, subsequently after that is when we began to see all of these oh, um, right, right. ID laws and all of that type of um, things going on. And then when it comes to having IDs, picture IDs. Yes, I do have a story. There was a young man, well, he wasn't so young, but my granddaddy said at 75, you're middle aged. Yes. And he lived to be 101. So, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> but that being said, uh, he went to vote. Um, he did not have his ID. He voted provisionally. When you get the provisional ballot, you are to then satisfy the provision. His provision was that he would come back with his ID. He went home, couldn't find it. He came back to the polling place where I was standing. I need to go get my ID. We had a van, so we was like, okay, we can socially distance and get him to the DMV. Um, and when I lived in my hometown, it was right down the street. So I was like, we could go and get it done. And he said, no, I have to go either to, there were two counties um, that he could go to. One was one DMV was approximately 35 minutes away and the other was maybe 45 minutes away. And it blew my mind that someone would have to travel so far. And that's far if you don't have a car. So now you have to find a car. We'll find a person who, who's willing to drive you. And um, 
feel like you should give them some money for the gas that they use, let's just say. And it just made it so inconvenient for him. And I have not yet been able to follow up with him to see if he was able to get that uh, ID or not. So what my issue or challenge with that is that voter suppression is anything you do to make voting less convenient. Because voting should just, we should just be able to vote. I mean, it's, it's just, that's just it simply. We should be able to vote. So anything you do to make it less convenient is a challenge. By asking for an ID that's hard yeah. to get. Um, purging voters that are inactive. This was a big problem in Georgia and, and, and Texas. Yeah. Uh, they just, in Florida, if somebody hadn't had voted in two years, they just took them off the rolls. Yeah. So uh, people may have gone uh, to the polling place and they weren't they weren't there. And I, I don't know what they what they did then. But, you know, you could like not vote. I wouldn't. But people could yeah. not be interested in voting for a few years or not be able to to um, get out or working. Um, you know, or just don't just don't like either choice. <laughs> I don't like any of the choices. I'm just not going to vote. And we heard a lot of that this time. So did you? OK. OK. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're working, you know, to get time off from work. Um, now, if you could, if your company gave you an hour, and I don't know how things were in your county, but I waited 45 minutes, which I, I, thought, I first thought, oh, that's not so bad, but that was bad. Yeah, was it six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours, like in Atlanta or probably Memphis or Nashville? No, but 45 minutes. Um, you know, we had this big thing that. All of a sudden, we had a new postmaster general who is like letting people go and not getting these machines and all that stuff. Oh, that's that, you know, yay, the people had a conniption fit about that. Yay. So that was kind of turned around. But other, other things that could make it easier um, for us to vote would be same day registration. Yes. You know, uh, more poll workers i volunteered to be a poll i know three people that volunteered to be poll workers and never got a call called again so and so would get back to me and there were four poll workers mm. with this big long line yeah people yeah. you know people waiting um well what needs to happen is we need to there's so many areas in our country that we choose not to invest in right and so let me stay in tennessee <laughs> in no. tennessee we have areas in our society that we choose not to invest in one of them being our schools so let me just put that out there i'm a i'm a vice chair of a school board we choose not to invest in our schools and we see even now the senate one of the main things that's holding up the COVID 19 relief package is some of the senators making sure that cities and states you know don't get any relief which is interesting because that relief money comes down to our schools and you know so flows like that so one of the areas that we do not invest in or take seriously is our, our schools and our voting structure our election cycles there is no reason for anyone to have a a downed um a polling machine a, a down voting machine and not have a replacement there is no reason we've become too comfortable and i like you it took me 45 minutes or so and i got online and said woohoo i voted in 45 minutes and it wasn't until you said that that's really not good that i realized that in the greatest nation in the world <laughs> that there was a 45 two hour, six hour, 10 hour, I don't know how long some people waited, wait to vote. It is unacceptable. And we should realize that. But what has happened is we've become so comfortable with, oh, okay, it wasn't an hour. Well, I say we become, you know, rise up and say, no, that's not the way it should be. Right. You know, I don't mind waiting in the line because if some, if a lot of people get there, but if your processes slow me down, I, I'm thinking about people who opened up, you know, the arenas opened yeah. so that people can go and that process was a lot faster. So have the, have people hired. 
to be yes. you know, figure out the peak times and get get more people. So I'm going to follow up on why I wasn't um, accepted. You know, we don't have a holiday. We don't have a holiday off for voting. We should do that. Or at well, least- well, first we 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 vote on a Tuesday because farmers decided you know whatever that reason was that we vote on a tuesday I've not, why not vote on a saturday more people are off work yeah we, if you're not going to make it a holiday make it a saturday right. if you're not going to make it a saturday make it a holiday it should be a national holiday because we are making especially in presidential elections we are making a decision about who will lead and guide our country for the next four years if no other time is um uh justified in being a holiday i think that would be one yeah right right well anything to make it um easier to vote but you know even at one time um well this this was something that happened i live near a university but so a lot of kids turning 18 in in college and they said first time voters had to vote in person so you're in school, it's getting towards the end of semester. Now you've got to go, we have students, well, I, I like to look at the license plates. We have a lot of people from Texas, students from Texas and the East Coast and just everywhere. So how are they going to get home to vote? So they they tried to change that, that if you register, when you registered, you could show your ID and then you could vote absentee. So that was changed, but not without going to court, you know, here, here in Tennessee. Um, but all of, all of these things to su- suppress uh, first-time voters, you know, the whole uproar about absentee ballots. I, I, I forgot to mention that. Some states went to universal where every, anybody could get uh, request the ballot. Or, um, but, but Tennessee had to go to court. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, and, you know, all of those... So it was confusing because I had a, a first-time voter, and I had him do the research. He was—he's 18, freshman in college. His college, you know, they went to campus um, to uh, spend their first semester, and I had him researching how he was going to vote. You know, I left it up to him because he was, you know, the big man about the house, uh, <laughs> and he was so confused because if you remember all of these changes happened during the election cycle so you didn't know yeah you didn't know why you didn't know what your you didn't know what the uh reasons for getting a um mailed ballot an absentee ballot was because at one point it was if you were taking care of someone with covid then it was if you if you had a if you were concerned about contracting the disease and then they had a question about, well, what do we do about these first-time voters? And so he didn't know whether he could vote absentee or if he needed to come home. So, you know, the decision we made, he quarantined for about six days because that's the only time we had. I went to UT Martin, picked him up, brought him home to vote, and took him back. Yeah. Well, how many kids didn't, didn't know that? And exactly. Didn't vote because they were afraid of um of of covid and they didn't have one of the i don't know it's about 15 things that you can get in tennessee that you can request a ballot an absentee ballot but they changed that at kind of the last minute so that if you were concerned about exposure had a a condition that would make you more susceptible you could request an absentee ballot just check that box and you didn't have to have a doctor's excuse, but still, yeah, it was late and it was it and it was confusing. But all of these things that they do that we're calling voter suppression now is it is is it as bad in Tennessee as like Georgia, um, Texas, Florida, where they're closing polling places? Texas, you know, it's a big state. Um, you know, two and three hours to get to a polling place or a DMV to get your your uh, license. No. But that is going on, and they can continue doing that because this Voting Rights Act, that aspect of it has, has, been, uh, has been gutted. But who does all this affect vo- what voters? Is it suburban Atlanta? No. <laughs> is it 
<laughs> is it rural areas? Yes. Is it poor people? Is it black people? Is it elderly people? Is it young people? Yeah. And then you yes. vote differently. They have different concerns than yes. a little suburban uh, white neighborhood. Well, oh, I, well, I, well let, let me say this. I believe it affects everybody. Why does it affect everybody? Well, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. To some extent, it does if you don't have six hours. You know exactly, um, and and back to that in Tennessee, you can actually get uh, three hours before your shift or three hours after your shift. You have to ask noon before the day you're going to go vote or the day of the election. However, there are a lot of businesses and employ employers who say, nope, you got to give me notice of you wanting to take off. You know, three days before, a week before, or something like that. So there is that attempt. However. Remember what we said voter suppression was. Voter suppression is anything that makes voting less convenient mm -hmm. if there is physical intimidation or disenfranchisement. Mm -hmm. So let me let me give you a intimidation thing. In my county, we had trucks with big flags. Oh. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, going around and parking in very unusual places. We had one at the driveway of our election commission as people were voting during early voting. And there were all sorts of flags that were um, for a particular candidate. Uh -huh. And I had to call the uh, election commission and say, I'm feeling a little bit wary because I hadn't voted yet. And I was just standing there. I was a, I was a candidate. I, I'm, I don't want to walk through that. You know, anything that causes you unease about voting mm -hmm. is intimidation. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be you, you standing there and I think you're going to beat me up or something. Mm -hmm. It's anything that makes me feel uncomfortable. And that made me feel uncomfortable. So who does, who does uh, uh, voter suppression and all of these ID, all of these laws affect? Yes, it affects our poor. It, it affects the working class because not all of us can get off of work. Um, the If you have early voting, it's during those hours where you might not be able to take a lunch. <laughs> you know? uh, so when we think about who it's, it's minorities, it's, it's, it's racial disparity, income disparity, um, where you live, uh, it's all of that. And it should not be the case. Elderly, right? It shouldn't be the case. So, I say we need. I think. I think the lesson for Tennesseans. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention was that um, Tennessee will allow you to use your concealed carry gun permit as an ID. So I think. Okay, problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but not your but not your student ID when you're at a college when you had to present them with your birth certificate and your social security oh, yeah. card. Yeah. Not that though. Bur bur not your student ID, which is like surreal. Yeah. 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 Some places uh, you know, want that birth certificate or social security number. Some people don't have it, you know. Um Yeah. Can't get it, lost it. You know, a lot of people work uh domestic workers, you know, they, they don't many times have social security number nor do they have medicare because they've worked in the home yes or cash you know all those yes things. so yeah yeah so every everything is okay let me ask you this because this is um this is an uh, interesting question felony convictions you can lose your right to vote with a felony conviction and there's kind of a, it's kind of a whole column of things on how you can restore your voting rights and i'm not going to go into that but because uh, i don't understand it but should should prisoners be allowed to vote should felons be able to vote well i believe um even if they are incarcerated at this time mm -hmm. we can have a whole discussion about that well i know but however the individual that has served his or her time has paid fines and all of those things that they have to do, served out their probation, 
the process by which they have to go to get their voting rights restored. If you look online, it's like three pages that you print out. One is describing all of it. And the second one is the actual paper that, you know, starts the process. The NAACP has sued um, the state because that whole process is so convoluted that the people who want to get their voting rights back have to, you go to one place and they say no, and then they send you somewhere else. So there's this juggling back and forth. There is no clear path and there should be a clear path. Now back to your first question, should felons be able to vote? Yes. Okay. I I think I, I, I don't know, I never really thought about it, but this, uh, professor I talked to yesterday said, you know, well, they they are certainly most victimized. They are certainly victims of the state. Yeah. And probably have a lot more insight. Than exactly. <laughs> yes. That's another uh, those crazy liberals, I, you know, so I, I don't know, but certainly uh, uh, to make it easier. And some states have put lots of fines. And if you're coming out of prison, so they tell me, um, it's it's a little rough to get started again. I met on the campaign trail. I met someone who had like three thousand dollars worth of fines, and I was like, "Oh my God, how did you even?" But remember, as a felon, it's challenging to get a job because you got to check the box. Oh, or, yeah, you got to check the box. Yeah. And there, there are there are people who were uh, jailed or incarcerated twenty, thirty years ago. Yeah, or, right. You know, dumb and fences when they're pregnant. Yeah, I'm just saying it happened. <laughs> um, I heard that. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that too. So, um, you know, everything is the states. You know, the voting is all put put on the states, which is another reason that this Texas this Texas lawsuit trying to you know tell other states what we want to do is is kind of weird. But um, there may be a couple things that just need some national oversight and I think of um, uh, we, on this program we talked about the electoral college um, that, and, and gerrymandering the problem with those two things is the people in power benefit from from at least gerrymandering that you know neither side wants to change that but um, you know maybe maybe someday of course gerrymandering is just where you you redraw the party in power redraws the districts um, to their party's advantage. However, however, let me say something about gerrymandering, which is the weirdest. I think it was like named for a guy, wasn't it? Named for a guy named Jerry. Yeah. I was like, okay, because Jerry, I was like, why is that there? Um, but I, I hope that one day we would have elected officials that would not view drawing the districts in that manner. Because when you do that, once again, that is a part of uh, disenfranchising people in your community. And we know that gerrymandering happens after we complete the census. And that's another thing. If we don't begin to educate about the census and what all it does, well, it tells our lawmakers how many people are in this area and how many people are in that area. And if we know that let's just say Tennessee Senate um, districts uh, are drawn to have 190,000 people in them, then you can draw all manner of districts. <laughs> and that's why we have some that look like snakes, you know, some that look like U's. I, I believe there's one that somebody showed me that even looked like an H. I'm like, why did, why did you even? So when we think about that, I mean, that's just another form of voter suppression to me because that means that you have you have relegated me and what i believe into only having these few seats while you draw it for your advantage and i'm talking about both parties i'm not yeah, just trying to talk about one both parties do it both yeah both parties do it but i think it's a shame i do yeah well we'll see what happens with us yeah so, so what effect do you think this year will have on our voter turnout? You know, Tennessee already is low, even though we had a lot of voters this year, uh, it, it's still low and, and education of voters and 
new voters. I mean, we, we tend to be low again in, in those things. But it's more about, it's more about um, what people are voting for. I believe that in this election, we had a lot of what people were voting against. And that does draw a large segment of our community out. But I believe people, if you know that you're voting for something, it can be better. So this year, yes, we saw an uptick in voting. We saw we saw people come out to vote who had never voted before. And that's not just new voters. Those are voters who hadn't voted in eight, 12 years. You know, they skipped the whole Obama thing, you know, just weren't impressed. And so they skipped those eight years and then they had choices this, you know, in 2016 that didn't appeal to them. Um, so what can happen in Tennessee is that what we're going through now, I believe is opening the eyes of a lot of us to our entire body politic and how fragile it's strong, but it's fragile, depending on who you have um, in a position of oversight. And I think that once we get through 2020 into 2021, I have, have you learned more about the, elect, the election process than you ever thought you knew during this time? Like, I didn't even know there was a day called the Safe Harbor Day. Did you know about that? I didn't know that. So educating voters and making sure that people know that politics affect every aspect of their lives. And let's go back to the census. It's going to be used by lawmakers to draw districts. It's also going to be used by lawmakers, some of those uh, data points, to decide if a particular hospital can get that certificate of need and build a hospital in your area. It's going to be used by your school boards to say, hey, this part of our uh, county is growing. We need a school over there. You know, I mean, so many things happen politically in our lives that I think we don't know. And when people realize that our lives are pretty much very well legislated, <laughs> we'll be involved in politics. Well, I think another thing is, you know, um, I think um, our party has been criticized because we just show up at, at, at the churches and the whatever, you know, a couple of weeks before the election. Actually, I think all politicians do that, but I, I, I don't know. Um, I can't worry about everybody. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. But, but you know, um, the, the Rural Caucus, which which we're both involved in somewhat, is, yes. is, is, it, it never stops. You have to keep, you have to just keep, um, you know, keep talking to people and keep being involved. I mean, people get discouraged because they uh, think nothing uh, ever ever changes. Well, you just really have to kind of be part of the change. So mm -hmm. it, it really goes both ways. And, and you know, we can blame uh, Tennessee and the legislatures and the president and the, this mm -hmm. party and that party, but we still have to take responsibility. You know, they say, well, there's a lot of problems with voter rolls that can't keep them up to date. Well, if you move or you get married or, you know, you die, well, you don't have to do this if you die, but but you need to let the election commission, you know, know that these changes have been made so they can keep keep up with you. You know, and Tennessee has a little bit of voter fatigue. I mean, they're voting, you know, all the time. So we yes. have to continue to look at those, you know, in between ballots. And I know that there's people that just do not have an interest, you know, in these things. They go to the echo chamber where yes. everybody's saying the same thing that, that you do. Now, you and I, we think it's fun to look up this stuff. Yes, it, it is. <laughs> and there are so many good uh, books uh, out there or documentaries and with the internet, you know, for reliable sources, you know, to find it out. So, so I don't know. My hope is, is that always the reason I do this podcast is that to try to encourage people to go a little bit deeper and a little bit further and your kids are doing that. And that's just super. And anybody that does do that of any age, you know, we need to, to give them, you know, thumbs up, good job, you know, let's talk more, 
you know, whatever. I have, I have young people who are anxious about voting. I mean, they're so anxious that it's almost paralyzing. And I didn't know that could happen because they don't want to make a mistake and vote for the wrong person. So we have, there are so many varying um, responses to voting. Um, and then I was going to bring up Tent City, but I'll invite your listeners to, once again, just as they go and look up Rutherford B. Hayes <laughs> and the Reconstruction, be sure to go out and look at Tent City uh, that happened in Fayette County. And you'll be able to see how people's ideas around voting can be um, formed by history or by stories that their parents and grandparents told them. Now, people from Tent City, some of them, I'm sure, were dedicated to voting since that time. And then perhaps some of them thought that voting was just too much work and you could get hurt or negative things could happen. So we never know where those people fall. But understanding that everyone has a history and everyone has a reaction to that history. Um, so it informs how we vote, when we vote, who we vote for, and all of those things. So I am uh, and, re and remembering that voter suppression is more than a voter ID. Yes. It's intimidation, it's disenfranchisement, anything that doesn't make voting convenient. Right, right, good. Is that your conclusion? Yes, ma'am. I think I've done mine too. <laughs> We're so great together. <laughs> I want everybody to find peace in the holiday season. Yes, um, the holiday season is something that's very special to me. Um, I know that we all want to gather together, but let's be mindful that COVID-19 is out there and it's real. And so stay masked up six feet and wash your hands. My children have dubbed it the stop, drop, and roll of COVID-19. <laughs> but many, many blessings. I second all of that. And um, please get the vaccine when it's available. Uh, it's safe. Um, science is wonderful. Welcome back, science. Yeah, can we just take a moment and say, yes, science. Oh. 2021 is going to be better. It's going to take some time. So, I, you know, I don't, um, I don't think it's bad to have a quiet Christmas. It, it's so crazy. Um, we might just need that extra time to reflect. So let's do that. Yeah. I have, um, first of all, thanks to Tennessee Holler for having uh, me as part of their network, and thanks to the listeners. Thank you to Sybil Miller Watkins. I have a New Year's resolution, Civil. Okay. COVID is over. I'm going to find you and give you a big hug. Yes! We're going to make that happen. All right. Okay, dear. Well, have a Merry Christmas. and You uh, as well. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>